Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. Today, March 21st, is World Down Syndrome Day. Down syndrome is the most common genetic condition, with approximately 6,000 babies born with Down syndrome in the United States each year. Despite the condition's prevalence, treatment for Down syndrome is still evolving. Yet what's as clear as ever is the importance of physical therapy for children and even young adults with Down syndrome. In today's episode of Move Forward Radio, physical therapist Vanita Lovelace Chandler, a pediatric specialist, describes how physical therapy impacts not only the physical development, but in turn the cognitive and social development of children with Down syndrome. She also provides valuable tips for parents. As always, input from our guest is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. With that, here's our interview with Vanita Lovelace Chandler. Vanita, let's start with the basics. First, just what is Down syndrome and how is that diagnosed? Down syndrome is a genetic disorder that occurs in about one out of every 700 births in the United States. What happens is that an extra 21st chromosome is present in the cells of the baby, and so it's diagnosed through both physical signs, changes that the baby might have, but typically with blood testing of the baby or prenatally with blood tests or other tests of the mother. Let's focus early on. What are the initial symptoms of Down syndrome? Children born with Down syndrome generally will have low muscle tone. They'll have less strength than a typical baby. There can be some facial changes, a more flattened facial profile or an upward slant to the eyes. Those are some of the traits that we might see early on in a newborn or fairly young baby. And how quickly would a child with Down syndrome begin physical therapy? Well, most physicians are going to want to confirm the diagnosis of Down syndrome. So even if there are some physical trait changes in the baby, the physician will do a blood test to confirm the diagnosis. And that takes sometimes near 10 to 14 days to get the results of that. So a physical therapist will not usually receive a referral for care for a baby until the diagnosis has been confirmed. But then once the diagnosis is confirmed, Physical therapists and physicians agree that the earlier therapy can begin, the better the outcome. So a physical therapist might see a baby within the first month of life. In that very first month, in those early stages, what does that consist of? Well, in the first month of life, it would depend on the needs of the baby, but often uh, what we expect a typically developing baby to do is to suck and to take in nutrients. And sometimes babies with Down syndrome, they're not strong in moving their arm, but they also may not have sufficient strength in using their mouth in a coordinated way to have a strong suck. A physical therapist can work on feeding programs with families and helping the baby to improve their sucking response, and and other therapists might do that as well. An occupational therapist or speech-language pathologist might be included in the early intervention. It could be one therapist or all three that are working with the family on various aspects of feeding. Physical therapists also care very much about starting to help that baby have head control. We want the baby to be able to lift its head up and look around at the environment. So what we call 
head riding when the baby can hold the head erect and look around. So we would be working with the family to see about techniques to encourage head control, or even very early, beginning in the first few weeks of life. Now, even with children who don't have Down syndrome, how quickly they physically progress can range dramatically. That said, how far behind that curve of strength is typically a child with Down syndrome? That's a very good question, and unfortunately, we don't have any methods right now for giving exact prognosis to a family for any types of therapy services. Physical therapists want to help their patients understand how long the therapy is going to last, what will happen. But unfortunately, we have so much variation among people with Down syndrome that we can't give that kind of firm prognosis. Studies have shown that babies with Down syndrome will, for example, roll over later than other children. They'll learn to sit up later than other children. They'll learn to walk later, but the range is very large. Walking could begin anywhere from near typical age, which would be about 12 months, to as late as four years of age. What we do as physical therapists is work with each child individually to try to assist them in strengthening and balance so that we can achieve motor milestones as rapidly as possible. Now, it's interesting because, again, if if you think about a child that doesn't have Down syndrome, their parent is trying to help them learn to crawl, learn to walk, learn to do all these things. Of course, the child's trying to do a lot themselves. What does a physical therapist actually do with a child with Down syndrome to really help them catch up, help them with the areas that they might not be as strong in? You are right. That's a very good point that all parents are trying to help their child develop as appropriately as possible and maybe encouraging certain tasks. Generally, babies who are able to develop typically will do those skills all on their own. They'll learn to roll over, they'll learn to sit up, and they'll be walking before the parent might be ready for the child to walk, so we have to encourage childproofing of the home. Our babies with Down syndrome can't do some of those tasks as well for themselves, and we want to encourage easy movements that will encourage then more difficult movements as the baby is growing. Some parents are ready to help with those immediately, but some parents may still be adapting to the diagnosis of Down syndrome and may want the therapist to do most of the tasks themselves. If a baby comes into a center or is seen in the home for therapy, we could use, for example, the big ball. Almost everyone has seen those big beach ball type uh, large balls that can be used by therapists. We might use that ball to adjust the surface to encourage the baby to move more. If the baby had trouble rolling over, we could use the ball to move the baby into gravity and let gravity help with rolling. Or if the baby's begun to roll over but needs to get stronger, we could move the ball at a different angle and ask the baby to work against gravity. That's one example. I'm not sure if that helps to hear one example that we might use with a baby. Absolutely. And I don't want to oversimplify, but as much as anything, are you trying to encourage this child with Down syndrome to do things that he or she may not be compelled to do on his or her own simply because the motor skills aren't there yet? Exactly. The recent research has helped us to clarify that three factors really influence a baby's physical development, their strength, their balance, and the cognitive level of the baby. Physical therapists have numerous ideas for working on strengthening and balance. 
we have ways also to work on cognitive development, but we'll want to encourage help from our colleagues. We'll want to seek consultation from special educators or occupational therapists or speech-language pathologists so that the baby is developing cognitively as well. But our emphasis is going to be on that balance and strengthening. And the way all of us do that is to move against gravity, to learn to hold our head up, to sit up, to roll over, to crawl or creep on hands and knees, and then get up to standing and walking. Luckily, almost all children with Down syndrome do learn how to walk, but some children are as old as five to six years of age before they learn those skills. We want to help a baby walk earlier, more closely aligned with typically developing babies because that also helps their cognitive development when they can explore their environment, play with toys, pull a truck on a string or a stack block. It's interesting, before you talked about how you can't predict how long the development will take. Typically then, do most children with Down syndrome stick with physical therapy through their ability to walk? What's that last milestone at which a child with Down syndrome might not continue physical therapy after that? Well, most physical therapists who work in pediatrics want to follow clients from birth to 21 years of age, but that does not mean that we are doing intensive, frequent therapy all of that time. Early intervention, which is a federally funded program that allows children with Down syndrome and other children to receive physical therapy services, early intervention is that birth to three period of time, and then we transition to more preschool and school-based options. So many physical therapists will see a child actually until they're running, until they can jump until they can play on the playground with their peers in a safe manner. We want children to be able to participate and do all of the same tasks as other children. However, that doesn't mean constant therapy all that time. After the child is walking well and doing those activities, probably would see them less frequently. However, just as all of us change over life, we might want to have consultation with a child as they're growing and developing and even into adulthood. People with Down syndrome have risk for some ongoing cardiac involvement. Sometimes if they're discouraged about their ability to move, they'll become more sedentary and won't be active, and then they can develop poorer cardiac health. So we would have a reason to support a person with Down syndrome throughout their lifetime, but with lesser role and dependent on the unique needs of the person at any given point in time. That's a long answer, but we really do want to help people throughout their lifespan to be as healthy as possible. I think Down syndrome is a condition that, relative to some others, that most Americans at least have a pretty decent feel for in terms of what someone's ability is or isn't. But for people who don't, what's a good prognosis for a child with Down syndrome in terms of what they can develop into physically? How far along could someone with Down syndrome go? Almost all people with Down syndrome today can become self-sufficient in their activities of daily living. They can dress themselves, feed themselves, manage themselves, walk, certainly might have employment in various jobs depending upon the cognitive demands. But that question is equally hard to answer because, unfortunately, we don't have long-term data on people with Down syndrome in an atmosphere of getting the kind of care they're getting today. For example, someone born 30 years ago with Down syndrome might not have had the good surgical intervention for a cardiac problem and the intensive early intervention for developing physically as children do today. So we're really not able to predict. What we're learning each decade is that people with Down syndrome are doing better and better and better. I think as physical therapists, we want to be sure that families 
have hope and are positive about the outcomes of the child and know that new research and new information is available every year, and that information will help their child succeed in society. What's the one thing you don't know now that you wish you could know that would be the biggest breakthrough for you in terms of treating people with Down syndrome? Intensive strengthening strategies for infants. We know they need to get stronger. We have some ideas like using a treadmill, an infant treadmill for walking. That is being done with some young children with Down syndrome. But we still don't know some of the best strategies for getting their legs stronger quickly. So I think more research into exercise protocols for really young children would be extremely helpful and would allow us to advance care again. And then on the flip side, I guess, what's been one of the more recent changes that's either been an aha moment? Has there been a breakthrough point or a tipping point in recent years? Well, I think that the recognition that the majority of the physical problems are, in fact, strength and balance and not cognitive ability alone. Historically, people with Down syndrome were not expected to do much. They were considered unable to advance in motor skills, so no one tried. Now we've identified that strength and balance are critical factors, and if we can improve those two factors, the child and later teenager and adult will be physically healthier and do extremely better. So I, I think that's a breakthrough for us, is to not assume everything was because of the cognitive impairment. And they're related. If we get people more physically active, they will advance more cognitively. And if we have support for their cognitive development, they'll be more interested in physical tasks and trying to succeed. Absolutely. You mentioned that obviously people develop at different rates, and we talked about trying to encourage that. So if the goal essentially is that practice makes perfect, but even maybe beyond the infant stage, what are some activities that you found, whether they're actual exercises with a physical therapist or activities that you give to a child with Down syndrome to do independently that seem to be good exercises to get them wanting to be self-active and moving along? play activities and play activities they can do with their families and peers. The National Down Syndrome Society has declared March 21st as World Down Syndrome Day and the 21st day of the third month being helping us remember that it's three copies of the 21st chromosome. But, but their mission for that day and all the other days of the year is that people with Down Syndrome are accepted, they're valued, and they're included in society. So we want children to be able to play and do those tasks. So ball games, kicking a ball. When you kick a ball, you're standing on one foot for just a split second while you kick the ball with the other foot. So you're working on balance. If we can get a child to enjoy a ball game with their peers or with other family members, then they'll work on balance many, many times a day. And you're right. Practice has been shown to be one of the historical problems. We didn't expect people with Down syndrome to do things very many times. So they didn't get skillful. They didn't practice and get more skillful. We want to use games on the playground where they might be climbing on playground equipment, but with supervision to be safe, but pulling up with their arms or they're strengthening their arms or climbing with their legs. But activities that allow them to participate with family and with friends, just like everybody else. Back toward the beginning of this conversation, you talked about early on when the parent may be adapting to the diagnosis and what that change means for their child. As much as you're caring for the child, how much of physical therapy is really coaching the parent and in terms of what their responsibility is in the immediate and then even for the child's long-term development? Physical therapists are now doctoring professionals. We're graduating with doctor, a physical therapy degree, a DPT, 
and we're primary care providers. So that means we have to be concerned about the entire family unit, including the mother, the father, the grandparents, whomever is involved in the child's care. Sometimes families are overwhelmed by the diagnosis. They want to be celebrating the birth of their new baby, but the diagnosis has brought some uncertainty and anxiety about the future. So we want to be there for families at each step of the way to know that they can help us if they're ready for that. We don't want to pressure families, but we want to provide a very positive situation so that a family might work on strengthening. For example, every time they change the baby's diaper, they might help the baby get back up to sitting by encouraging certain movements that strengthen the trunk. We want them to be involved later with activities with a preschool or young school-age child to do those activities that might encourage tricycle riding or bike riding or ball games. But we also have to recognize at each step that the family may have to continue to readjust as the child, for example, reaches school age and isn't able to do all the things that another, a typically developing school age child can do. So we've got to remember the emotional aspects for the family as well and always consider those in planning our care. Do you have any simple tips that you commonly give to parents? I want them to uh, allow time for themselves. Uh, They need to be healthy so they can care for their baby. So if the baby's napping, the mom needs to nap too if she can. So she's rested. A child that doesn't walk as early as other children has to be carried more, lifted more. So we want families to know ways to do that safely for themselves so they don't get an injury. We want them to network with other families so they get support from other parents. Physical therapists, I believe, can provide a lot of information for families, but another family who's had this experience can provide a different type of support and information for families. So we want them to network and connect with others. We want to have empathy for our families and have them know that we really do care. I'm always amazed that a parent with a baby with Down syndrome or another developmental disability, even as early as a few weeks of life, will give me their baby in some way, will allow me to touch their baby, handle their baby, move their baby. So I'm honored that families trust physical therapists, and we have to reciprocate by honoring all the needs of the family as well. There's that interesting point if we're trying to make the child as self-sufficient as quickly as possible, but they do require this extra care. How do parents navigate that gray area of wanting to assist their child but not over-assisting to the point that the child can't develop these skills on their own? As a parent of four, I find parenting to be the most difficult task I ever had. And parenting's complex, and it's complex in today's times. So some families of typically developing children still are tying the shoes of the child when they're starting school, and, and we want them to tie their own shoes. I'm not sure there's an exact way to do that. We want to be sensitive to the culture of the family, the patterns of interaction the family has with their child, the kinds of discipline they might choose to use, the reinforcers they might use, and then we're going to try to get an individual family plan for that child and that family that encourages the family to let go or step back when they can, but also be there to be the safeguard for the child. I don't think it's an easy task for parents or therapists, but I think together we can almost always discover that pathway for any given child. Zena Lovelace-Chandler, thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you so much. If you want to learn more about World Down Syndrome Day, go to worlddownsyndromeday.org. To learn more about Down Syndrome and the role of physical therapy, go to moveforwardpt.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. 
Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com slash radio.